Chapters seventeen and eighteen of the Turnpike House by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seventeen. Heron follows the trail. Ruth could not rid herself of a haunting doubt that her father knew more of the Jenner murder than he chose to confess. If he himself had not killed the man in a fit of impetuous rage, and the girl could not bring herself to think this, he knew who had struck the fatal blow ruth was certain now that mrs jenner was innocent notwithstanding the fact that she had been found guilty this being so she argued to herself that if her father were aware of the truth he should at once take steps to remedy the grave miscarriage of justice which had taken place but as he made no move ruth perplexed and doubtful became quite ill with suspense it was no wonder then that geoffrey had found her poor company and had failed to understand her constant melancholy under these circumstances he had taken his departure wondering what had befallen the house which had formerly been so bright and pleasant but no satisfaction was to be had either from mr cass or from his daughter on arriving at his own place he went at once to the library to look for some document with his father's signature in order to compare it with that on the bill and after a close inspection of some half-dozen autographs of the late mr heron he came to the conclusion that the signature to the bill was a forgery once convinced of this he began to see daylight and argued out the case that evening alone and undisturbed jenner was at one time a clerk in the firm of cass and marshall he thought therefore he must have known marshall very well he was dismissed and so had no cause to love his employers mr cass so far as i know was always an upright man and jenner had no chance of injuring him in any way with marshall the case was different if i remember rightly mrs jenner told me that her husband and marshall were as thick as thieves the master patronizing the clerk on account of the man's beautiful voice and musical accomplishments marshall too lived a gay life and was giving to spending pretty freely it is quite possible that he might have made use of jenner as a tool to get more money through this bill five hundred pounds said geoffrey looking at the document in question hump just the sum he might require for an emergency he turned over the bill and found it endorsed by julius roper ah he went on where have i heard that name roper roper i am sure someone spoke of roper suddenly it flashed into his mind that roper was the money-lender in whose employment jenner had been after he had failed on the stage the bill was discounted in the office in which jenner was employed he thought with growing excitement for the matter was becoming more interesting every minute and jenner knowing it was forged stole it from roper he meant to use it as a means of extorting blackmail ah he stopped short blackmail it was of that he boasted to his wife this then was the material for getting money that he said he had in the red pocket-book the pocket-book has disappeared but the bill hm how did he get it inside the horse could jenner himself have put it there if so why what was his reason i must see mrs jenner and ask her between the two of us we may get at the truth but although he was satisfied that his father's signature had been forged he could not be absolutely certain that marshall had been the forger he had drawn the bill it was true but jenner might have counterfeited the signature and have assisted marshall to get the money then geoffrey recollected that his father 
a particularly precise man had been in the habit of keeping a diary in which he was accustomed to set down the most trivial details of his somewhat uninteresting life no sooner had this thought struck him than he went to a certain press and pulled out the series of little books which contained these entries glancing at the date of the bill he set to work and after an hour's search found the evidence the late mr heron had made no attempt to conceal marshall's rascality for it was plainly set down that a certain mr roper had called upon him to show a bill of exchange and to ask if the signature were his mr heron had replied that he had never signed a bill in his life whereupon roper had intimated that the bill had been presented by frank marshall and that the money had been paid to him roper had also expressed his intention of having marshall arrested but to this mr heron had objected bad as he thought the man he wanted to avoid any serious trouble less for marshall's own sake than for that of miss inez caz to whom he was engaged and who was deeply in love with him roper had left the house with the avowed intention of making things hot for him so mr heron had called on marshall at his house near hollyoak and told him what had happened then marshall had confessed that being in want of money he had forged mr heron's name but he stated that he was going to pay the money back to roper very shortly and he implored mr heron to take no steps against him it would break miss cass's heart he said and mr heron pitying inez and having a great respect for her brother had promised to say no more about it and had agreed to refrain from assisting roper on condition that the five hundred pounds were repaid this as a later entry in the diary proved had been done after that there was no further mention of the matter well geoffrey said to himself as he put away the books all this is quite plain it seems that mr frank marshall is a pretty scoundrel and there is no doubt that this bill is the blackmailing document referred to by jenner now i wonder if marshall murdered him to get possession of it but if he did the bill would not have been concealed in the toy horse ah uh, no doubt marshall thought it was in the red pocket-book and stole that after he had killed him that was why the pocket-book disappeared probably marshall himself destroyed it huh i have gone so far with very good results now before i can proceed further i must see mrs jenner and roper i wonder if that scoundrel is still alive next day geoffrey paid a visit to the jail where mrs jenner was serving her life sentence after some difficulty he was permitted to see the prisoner indeed he might not have procured the interview at all had he not told the governor that he saw a good chance of proving the woman innocent the governor was a humane man and anxious that justice should be done he stretched a point and allowed heron to see her with as much privacy as was compatible with prison discipline as soon as they were alone heron related all that he had discovered and then proceeded to ask his questions mrs jenner poor woman became much excited and small wonder seeing that for the first time she saw a chance of regaining her freedom but after all it will be to die mr heron she said sadly i am very ill trouble exposure and mental worry have been too much for me the doctor saw me two days ago and has ordered my removal to the infirmary geoffrey looked at her and true enough there was death in her face a few weeks were all of life left to her now and yet on hearing geoffrey's news the bold spirit flamed up again in her for the last time i am sure you are right mr heron she said feverishly mr marshall is the guilty person he was always a scamp and a rake there is no doubt that it was for the purpose of blackmailing him that my husband came down to west ham on the night he was murdered in fact he said as much to me at the turnpike house 
do you know that he had met marshall on that very night no you did not tell me that i forgot besides i really did not think it mattered i did not expect that mr marshall would be brought into the affair he was always cunning enough to look after himself at that time he was engaged to marry miss cass and she loved him with the fierceness of a tigress do you mean the present mrs marshall who else should i mean she always loved him he had a strange fascination for women why i don't know for he was not particularly good-looking or attractive but miss inez loved him and it was within two months of the murder that they were married i was in prison then as i am now and under sentence of death then you think that marshall killed your husband i do she said with a look of hatred in her large blue eyes i feel certain of it look at the motive he had he was engaged to marry miss inez cass she was rich and he needed money then again there was some talk of his leaving the firm i believe myself that mr cass was quite tired of the way he was going on i wonder that mr cass knowing him as he did did not forbid the marriage what would have been the use his sister was her own mistress she had her own money a large fortune and she was madly in love with marshall she would have done anything for him she simply grovelled at his feet her infatuation was the talk of all west ham at the time i was starving at the turnpike house extraordinary mused geoffrey she is so masterful a woman that i wonder she could have fallen in love with so weak a man it is one of those things in which a woman's nature is stronger than her principles said mrs jenner besides he was fascinating and she was no longer a young woman she added with a touch of feminine spite at any rate she was delighted when he fell in love with her and determined not to let him go was he in love with her no perhaps i was wrong to put it that way no doubt he wanted her money did he leave the firm yes shortly after his marriage ah then depend upon it mr cass got rid of him he married miss cass for her money he must have been in great straits when he committed that forgery oh i quite believe it was he who did it he was wonderfully clever at imitating handwriting i knew of that accomplishment long before i was married how you hate him geoffrey could not help exclaiming i am a very good hater she said quietly and i have every reason to hate that man it was he who got my husband dismissed and it was certainly he who led him into dissipated ways for jenner was not a bad man during the early years of our married life it was only when he came under marshall's influence that he took to drink and began to treat me cruelly oh i know what i owe him only too well i should like to see him arrested for this murder and hanged hanged she spoke with such vehemence that heron shivered i hope he will be proved innocent for all that he said remember i am engaged to his niece miss ruth is not his niece save by marriage still the disgrace well leave the matter alone said mrs jenner abruptly i have suffered so much that a little more or less does not matter when i am gone there will be an end of all your trouble let marshall live to repent if he can i am willing to die with the disgrace on me i can't well be worse off than i am and my son will soon forget me you do him wrong mrs jenner he loves you dearly but let this be as it may what i have to do is get to the truth of it all 
if marshall will confess his guilt i will consult mr cass and see what is to be done i confess that on ruth's account i do not want a scandal would you desert her no for i love her and i am too just i hope to visit the sins of other people upon her innocent head mrs jenner seemed to be considering then mr heron she said at last you are a good man leave the matter where it stands and let me die a guilty woman in the eyes of the world if i were in good health i might speak differently but i am dying let me die i have suffered so much that now i could not even enjoy freedom there is no rest for me but in the grave believe me it is better to leave things as they are well we'll see about that but tell me how did the bill get inside the toy horse ah that is difficult to explain the horse belonged to my boy he was playing with it before the fire on that evening i left it there when i took the child to bed it is likely enough she went on musingly that my husband knowing he had driven marshall into a corner was afraid he might lose this bill he may have sewn it up inside the horse when i was out of the room he knew very well that i kept all my boy's toys and he thought it would be safe there no one would ever have dreamt of looking for it in such a hiding-place it is really most wonderful when one comes to think of it that it has come to light at all can you tell me where jenner met marshall on that night no i cannot all i know is what he told me that he had seen him two hours before he came to see me he boasted of his blackmailing that is all i can tell you geoffrey rose well you have given me some information if not very much he said now i will go and see roper to make certain how the bill came to be stolen my husband stole it when he was with roper said mrs jenner and with this last piece of information geoffrey departed to follow up the clue chapter eighteen the money-lender mr julian roper had an establishment in golden square soho although this gentleman was over eighty he had not yet repented of his many iniquities but callously continued to conduct his evil transactions his offices two dingy rooms were on the ground floor of the house the apartments overhead being occupied by himself and a crabbed old woman who acted as his housekeeper the hag was if possible worse than her master and from long years of association she possessed considerable influence over him she was a widow or at least it was as such that she described herself for her husband had left her many years before in sheer disgust at her tyranny mrs hutt was her name and she had a son who acted as clerk to julian when geoffrey heron arrived at this sordid temple of mammon he was received by the drudge a young old person of no particular age dressed in a suit of rusty black he informed the visitor that his master was absent the clerk who answered to the name of jerry hutt gave mr heron a broken-backed chair and returned to his desk which was smuggled away into a corner with a shrug at the poverty of the place and the apparently enfeebled intellect of the person in charge the young man took a seat and amused himself by taking stock of his surroundings jerry took not the slightest notice of geoffrey after the first greeting he wrote hard with his tongue thrust into his cheek giving vent at times to a faint chuckle which was positively uncanny coming to the conclusion that he was half-witted heron came to regard him in the light in which most people saw him more as an article of furniture than a man but in this he in common with the rest of the visitors to that den was wrong for underneath his assumed stupidity jerry was as sharp as the proverbial needle luckily heron had not long to wait 
in about a quarter of an hour jerry raised his big head and looked out of the window a shuffling step was heard at the door and a minute later someone came coughing and grumbling along the narrow passage mr roper chuckled jerry pointing towards the inner room go in there geoffrey taking no notice of his brusque manner passed into the back room it was better lighted and better furnished than the clerk's den still it was sordid enough and so dirty that the young squire found it necessary to dust with his handkerchief the seat he had chosen cleanliness and godliness are both absent from this establishment thought mr heron he could hear roper outside growling at jerry but could catch nothing of their conversation he guessed that it had to do with himself for shortly mr roper entered the back room with what was meant to be an amiable smile on his mahogany face in appearance he was the double of his clerk as thin as yellow and even smaller in stature ah hey he said this being the way in which he was accustomed to begin a conversation mr heron ah yes mr geoffrey heron quite so i knew your father a good man mr heron but strong in his expressions geoffrey took this to mean and very rightly too that his father had expressed himself in no measured terms as to the money-lender's professional transactions but he made no comment merely remarking that he had come to see mr roper on business ah hey chuckled the old man shuffling towards his desk with the aid of a heavy stick quite so not like your father oh dear no he never borrowed money i am not here for that purpose retorted mr heron haughtily and the old man panting for breath dropped into his chair and i can assure you that you are the last person to whom i should come in such circumstances my business is quite of a different nature ah then why do you come here mr heron i have much to do i am poor and money is hard to make if your business has nothing to do with money why come at all because you are the only person who can assist me i do nothing for nothing croaked mr roper quickly if you want anything out of me you must pay me pay me cash down you understand i have had enough of bills mr frank marshall's bill for five hundred included asked geoffrey the man started and plucked at his nether lip ah hey what do you know about mr marshall sir not so much as you can tell me said heron significantly marshall marshall muttered roper i don't know him never heard of him geoffrey took a new tack and prepared to go in that case i need not trouble you my business has to do with marshall and a forgery wait come now don't hurry screeched the old man clawing at heron's frock coat i do begin to remember something of this i am old i can't remember as well as i did marshall frank marshall cass and marshall yes yes of course i know a forgery your father quite so he stopped and looked up sharply well what is it he asked geoffrey sat down again he was beginning to see his way to the successful management of this old gentleman it's a long story he said slowly keeping his eyes fixed on the avaricious face of the usurer let me begin at the beginning what about a man called jenner 
roper gave another screech and was visibly startled he cast a swift glance at the door behind which no doubt the useful jerry was eavesdropping jenner he said recovering himself with an effort was a clerk of mine and a blackguard the one implies the other heron said dryly if all i have heard of you is true now sir don't you come libeling me whimpered the usurer still disturbed i won't have it i will bring an action for damages heavy damages do mr roper i should like to see you shown up in court how many of your transactions will bear the scrutiny of the law i have never broken the law he roared with an attempt at dignity which ill became him i am a poor man but honest jenner oh yes he was murdered and he deserved to be murdered the beast who did it asked geoffrey abruptly for the second time mr roper was visibly disconcerted how should i know any more than yourself he quavered his wife murdered him of course he treated her badly and she served him out women always do come mr roper you are evading my questions but i have no time to play the fool i have come to talk to you about that forged bill have you got it have you got it he shrieked making a dart with one claw at geoffrey oh give it to me if you can i want to see that marshal in jail with hard labour hard labour he repeated with evident relish my dear gentleman if you can help me to crush him why asked the young man drawing back because i hate him i had a daughter she loved him but he would not marry her oh dear no her father's reputation was too bad for so fine a gentleman so she died pined away mr heron as i am a sinner oh how jerry felt it he admired elsa he loved her so did marshall his eyes flashed but he would not marry her for all that she is dead and buried now a most expensive tomb he added vaguely all marble most costly but she was my daughter i hate to spend good money but elsa was my daughter a most expensive tomb his listener took all this for the senile babble of age perhaps it was for tears stood in the usurer's eyes those hard eyes which had remained dry whilst looking upon much deliberately created misery he wiped them now with a snuffy red bandana and then looked fiercely at his client come he said roughly with a growl as of a beast about to spring what about marshall geoffrey said nothing for the moment but stared fixedly at the money-lender ha eh said roper impatiently and there was a yellow gleam in his eyes i am waiting what about marshall i would rather ask you what about jenner i do nothing for nothing as i have told you was the reply if you could assist me to punish that wretch i might perhaps help you otherwise well i may be able to help you in that oh, oh said the old man and what grudge have you against marshall i have none but i have a very good reason for acting as i am doing 
what is your reason that i refuse to tell you speak freely to me or leave the matter alone my good man i can do without your assistance no no cried the usurer with a frightful energy if marshall is to get into trouble i am the man to assist he broke my elsa's heart i wish to be revenged what is it you want to know tell me about jenner heron said curtly he saw that the old man moved by the recollection of marshall's behaviour to his daughter was in the mood to be confidential he would get all that he could out of him before the wind changed roper commenced speaking in a hurry as though in fear that his resolution would fail him jenner was a wretch a scamp he said he was in my employment before jerry grew up to assist me i took him off the streets and he repaid my kindness by robbing me of the bill of exchange on which was the forgery of my father's name oh you know that he said with a glance of surprise well i dare say your father worthy man would no doubt tell you yes jenner took the bill just when i thought i had marshall in the palm of my hand ah that was a blow i would have given hundreds to have kept that bill to have lodged marshall in jail but when that was gone i could do nothing have you the bill do you know where it is give it to me i'll work the matter i have not the bill said geoffrey deliberately he saw that the honour of the cass family would be lost if entrusted to the hands of this man the bill was stolen from jenner's dead body he added with studied equivocation by whom roper asked abruptly do you not know certainly not he said with violence are you about to accuse me of the crime why i do not even know of the place where he met his death you can prove nothing against me sir however cleverly you lay your trap i am not laying any trap geoffrey said mildly i want to know something more about jenner as i have told you at least five times he was in your employment you say yes i took him off the streets one day marshall brought that bill i discounted it and gave him five hundred pounds then i found out how it does not matter that your father's signature had been forged i saw your father i know all about that interview you saw my father and he refused to prosecute did he not he did but i would have prosecuted myself and would have called your father as a witness well i came back after that visit and placed the bill in my safe then i told my housekeeper all about it jenner must have listened shortly afterwards he disappeared i made a search to see if he had taken anything then i found that the bill had gone that marshall had escaped me i managed to set the police on jenner's track and he was arrested i offered not to prosecute if he would give me back the bill but he refused then i prosecuted him for stealing my money and he got three years when he came out i believe he went down to the country to see his wife and she murdered him what became of the bill i never could discover he must have destroyed it it is possible said heron i suppose that the bill was valuable to marshall as well as to you no doubt he paid jenner to destroy it or else he murdered jenner to obtain possession of it the old man said gloomily but no 
mrs jenner killed him i was at the trial i heard all the evidence nothing could have been clearer or fairer she killed her husband now i wonder if she could have taken possession of that bill no i don't think so it would have been found on her when she was arrested i believe marshall must have bribed jenner to destroy it more's the pity i'll never get at him now the beast geoffrey rose to go well he said i have learnt something but i hardly know if it will be of much assistance to me what are you going to do asked roper satisfy my conscience listen mr roper in my father's diary i found a full account of your visit and the truth about the forgery i was anxious to know all therefore i came to you now i am satisfied so far as i am concerned the matter shall rest where it is then you won't help me to crush marshall will nothing deliver him into my hands he muttered i'll make a last effort he must be punished for elsa's sake End of chapter 17 and 18